Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jantz, and my guest today is Micah Solomon. He is a customer service expert, an entrepreneur, business leader, speaker, and co-author of Exceptional Service, Exceptional Profit, The Secrets of Building a Five-Star Customer Service Organization. So, Micah, thanks for joining me. Well, thank you, and thank you for pronouncing my name properly. I, one out of ten times that happened. Is that right? Well, listen, that's a fairly common name, I think, in some circles. But <laughs> some circles. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one of the things I grabbed from your book, and I want to start here, um, and and that is, and I don't know, this is actually, I think, from an ink review. Um, loyal customers are like family; they stick with you through dark times. Uh, forgive your transgressions and trumpet your virtues to the world. Uh, to earn that love, companies must deliver anticipatory service, which shows customers that they are cared for. I don't know if those, if that was actually your words or Inc.'s words, but I really want to dwell on that term, anticipatory service, because I think that that's a, that's a big piece of, of your writing, and, and I think it's probably something that uh, deserves a, a baseline <laughs> introduction as well as some examples of how somebody might uh, might take that and run with it. Yeah, that was a great review that Lee Buchanan did in uh, Inc. Magazine, and uh, yeah, the the idea is that there, it would be really easy if if all businesses were competing against really poor customer service, but unfortunately, we're not. Um, and instead, we're by and large competing against all right customer service. What I would call satisfactory customer service. So while we explain in the book what I call the four steps of satisfactory customer service, that is not necessarily enough to build a loyal customer. Yeah, I mean, loyal, we, that doesn't right. get people, you know, nobody talks about a perfectly satisfying experience, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that doesn't really stick in your memory. So I, you know, and I see these ads and IBM is saying how their new technology that suggests the right tie to go with your suit increases customer satisfaction by 18%. And I'm like, well, groovy, but did it really did it really make a customer loyal? Then you have, you know, things like Nordstrom accepting back tires that they never sold and things like that do actually make loyal customers. So that is where you really want to aim for. So so how do you do it? Well, um, one example co-writer and I like to use is uh, just to make it a little more vivid, John, I don't want to, I don't want to uh I don't want to give you too much of a hard time but could you ask me for a glass of water? Would you mind asking me for a glass of water? Oops. So you yeah. <laughs> I wasn't playing along very well there. So so, <laughs> well, so you, yeah, no. Just just try asking me for a glass of water. Uh yes, uh, could I have a glass of water, Mike? No, get it yourself. Now, 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 I've almost uh, that almost never happens. Right? I mean, I have had that happen on Amtrak, but, 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 and I've also had it not happen. I've had nice people on Amtrak, but by and large, that doesn't happen. If that happened a lot, we'd have an easy competitive landscape for our business. Now, if if I haven't scared you, could you ask me again for a glass of water? Sure. I wonder if I could have a glass of water. Absolutely, John. Here's your glass of water. All right. Now, how was that? That was fine, right? That's better. 
Yeah, it's okay. But here is what we're aiming for. We're aiming at, John, I thought you looked thirsty, and I brought you a glass of water. So the more we can aim for that, the more we're likely to get loyal customers. And to do that, number one, we need the right kind of employees. Number two, we need to train them and inspire them in their jobs. And number three, we need to build our systems to start recording uh, the preferences of our customers so that even if we grow our businesses beyond the sole proprietor model, um, we can keep the anticipatory, very hands-on feeling. Yeah, I sometimes tell people that I, I think that the um, one of the great, you know, a lot of times we think I'm competing with the other plumber or with the, you know, the other you know, whatever it is in my town. And I think a lot of times what we end up, or especially if you want to be known as sort of a premium business, you, I think you end up uh, partic- or you end up competing with sort of the expectations of mm. what it's like to be treated well, <laughs> you know, or, or to be served well. And all of a sudden you're, you may be competing with, you know, the restaurant and the, the attorney uh, who, uh, who provides yeah. that kind of service. That is really a good point. You spend a lot of time talking about, uh, and I find this sort of interesting, this idea of language engineering and that, that every word matters and that, uh, that you have to actually develop maybe your own, you know, lexicon, you know, of terms and phrases and train everybody to use them. And I, I, I find that to be very true. And I want you to talk a little bit about that, but I also find that, that there's a fine line there too, because you can get too buzzy or too technical or, or try to make up terminology that doesn't make sense to the customer. So I wonder if you could talk about why there's so much (laughs) emphasis on that. (laughs) Well, you don't ever want to use language to try to put a customer down or act like you're better than them. So that would never be be the goal. Um, In fact, you would want to have it be the opposite. So here are some examples of, well, well, first of all, why would you want to do it? Um, You'd want to do it because even very nice people can be clueless about language. In other words, when you start consciously thinking about it or doing what I call language engineering, it reduces what you might um, call language defects. Another reason is that using the right language um, can sometimes affect your internal moods. So if you think of a customer as being challenging rather than problematic, well, suddenly it's a challenge, not a problem, and it may cheer you up a little bit about... um, about uh, dealing with it. And finally, uh, language is a key part of your brand style. I think one thing um, one thing we've seen a lot is uh, this really kind of pie-in-the-sky advertising that marketing departments are coming out with um, where it just everything looks just so wonderful in the ads. And then, you know, someone's on the phone and they're like, you know, what can I do for you today? <laughs> and it, uh, and if your language doesn't match how you want your your brand to be portrayed, it's not going to work. I think and it so also. Much, I, I oh, think sorry. also. Well, I was just going to say. I think also one of the things about 
this, particularly if it percolates from the top, which it should, is that I think it also sort of sends a message that, hey, the little things count here, too. This halftime break is brought to you by Constant Contact. Constant Contact helps small businesses and nonprofits build great customer relationships with email marketing, event marketing, and online surveys. Visit them today at constantcontact.com and sign up for your free 60-day trial. Can I give a few little examples? You bet. That would be awesome. Okay. So here are some from uh, my company, uh, the company I started, Oasis. And uh, here are just a few little examples. So I prefer not to hear people working here tell a customer, you need to do something. For example, you need to fill out this form before we can start your job. Because as far as I'm concerned, customers need to do jack. I mean, they can walk away and spend their money somewhere else, right? right? So I would rather we say, we find it works better or we find it makes things clearer if you fill out the forms before we start the job. We can make you a lot of money if you fill out this form. <laughs> or we could make us a lot of money either way, right? <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's what I think everyone who's had a kid uh, – you know, at the pediatrician, you call the pediatrician. If they say, please hold, and they put name, that that's so alarming as opposed to, may I place you on a brief hold, and then if they'll wait for the answer. Because nine times out of ten, it's fine. You can hold. But there's that tenth time your kid's having seizures, and you don't know what to do. You want to have an option about whether to hold or not. And And I think billing problems often cause customers to go away. So rather than saying you owe $1,000, say our records appear to show a balance of $1,000, yeah. because sometimes our records are wrong, or sometimes the customer didn't know they owed us a million dollars. Then there's some that I have no substitutes for, except uh, <laughs> just, I don't know, a good thrashing or something. But things that you hear people say on the phone all day, and, and there's just no no excuse for that. But I think people don't realize it. Like you hear people talk to customers, and they'll say, "Like I said before, or again, or here's my favorite: I'm not going to argue with you." <laughs> like if you're saying, "I'm not going to argue with you" to a customer, obviously you're arguing with them. Mm-hmm. Or this one's just a verbal tick. I don't think anyone means anything by it. But people will say, "To be honest with you," right. which seems to imply that they weren't being honest before. Yep. Yeah, that's so one, do you, that's do you have every, any that, that bug you? Well, that's one the one you just named there. Every attorney in America will agree with you. You know. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because you've just admitted you've been lying, right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. no, that's right. Um, my, well, one of my favorites, and again, this is really silly. This just is a darn pet peeve, but uh, when they will say, now, what was your name again? Well, my name is still John. <laughs> I don't know why that one just really bugs me. Oh, when they put it in the past tense. Yeah, yeah. What was your name? Like again? you just died. It's like what? I don't have my name's not that anymore. I don't know. <laughs> but, well, but since that, the name that like one John, run, that's a little. I know that one runs rampant though. Um, yeah, let's let's jump into another uh, area of customer, and and quite frankly, I think most customer service folks you talk to would agree with this one. Um, but uh-huh. I think you you do a nice job of of explaining it, um, and that's the idea of recovering from a goof up, um, for, from failure, um, and then how in some cases the way that you do that, or at least the way you approach it, can actually turn into a real positive. Hmm. Right. I, I, you can't recommend that people put defects into their uh, 
products or their uh, processes. But if you do, if things go wrong, and then you can recover from them, you actually often have a closer bond with your customers because you've gone through something. So what? how do you recover? Well, the, the key is to know how to apologize. And my co-writer is Italian through and through. His name is Leonardo Incaleri. He's uh, formerly of the Ritz-Carlton and now of um, the West Paces Hotel Group. And uh, so... From his Italian background and uh, my Jewish background, which is not entirely different, we think of um, we think you should imagine yourself as a stereotypical Italian mama whose uh, whose little bambino has taken a, a spill on the sidewalk. Um, so you just overdo it. You think of yourself as her, and it's like, oh my darling, look what happened. You skinned your knee on that walkway, my little bambino. Let me kiss your ouchie. Now, by the way, I'm not recommending you kiss the knees of your customers. If if you do that, it's on your own time, and your legal bills are on your own dime. But other than uh, other than that, just just think of them as a toddler and overdo the sympathy, and um, it, and you know she would give them a little ice cream while she disinfected the wound. It's the opposite of, you were talking about lawyers, of the kind of legal approach of, young man, let's sort out the facts of the situation. What was the angle of the cement sidewalk at the time of the impact? Were you wearing proper protective clothing per the scooter's user user manual at the time your knee impacted the walkway? And, young man, were you exceeding the sidewalk speed limit? So that's not, sorting out the blame is not the way to work with an upset customer. It's to be, oh, overly sympathetic to give them something extra to not use terms like fairness and responsibility that is not going to win you anything except an irate more irate customer you um there oh, uh, we have enough time for two uh two more topics and uh, i'm going to do people in process um you mentioned okay. um, <laughs> staff is and and training them and finding the right people and okay. i will t- i will tell you that that if i probably Number one and two complaints that small business owners have, I can't figure out how to get enough customers, and I can't find people that think like I do or that believe in the values that I do or or that, mm. that want to put in an honest day's work. I mean, those are the kinds of things I hear a lot of small business owners say. So, okay. you know, how do you find the right people? Well, you need to know what you're looking for, right. and and you should stop trying to hire just for skills, but start to hire for psychological traits. And there are five psychological traits which make up the best customer-facing employees. And they are, you can remember them by the acronym WETCO. They are warmth, like Petco, but with a W. They are warmth, which would be simply like kindness. Empathy, which is like kindness, except it's... um, more feeling what the other person's feeling, teamwork and orientation towards not trying to do everything yourself, conscientiousness, which is like a detail-orientedness, and then optimism. You need optimism. Mm -hmm. Now, you don't need optimism in all positions. Uh, We all saw what uh, Optimistic Accounting did at uh, Enron and more recently at uh, Lehman Brothers. Uh, You don't need optimism in your uh, chief financial officer. But um, or especially not in your chief safety officer. But you need people who can bounce back from being essentially, uh, you know, treated harshly at, at certain moments. So those are the five 
key traits that you're looking for. And it's better to train someone for the skills if they have those uh, five psychological characteristics. Yeah. Now, I'm going to agree with you on that, but I'm also going to challenge you. I mean, how do you find uh-huh. somebody with warmth? What do you say, come here and give me a hug, you know, in the interview or what? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how do you find how do you find these traits? I don't disagree with them at all, but how do you find them? Well, believe it or not, I recommend that you use a psychological testing okay. and that you do it before you test them for skills. Yeah. So there are companies that are, that offer these. Like a disc and, profile or something. Yeah. Yeah. And if you already have some successful employees, what what you want to do is is test these profiles against your existing top performers right. and also test it against your existing middle of the road performers. Yeah. And if you can't tell a difference on the test, then it's the wrong test. Yeah. Because the test should show a difference between those two. That's called um, uh, con- concurrent validation. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the last topic then I wanted to talk a little bit about, and that's uh, process. I'm a big okay. sy- systems person. I believe you could run an entire company with a handful of checklists. And, um, Excellent. Um, however... I've also, I mean, I, you know, I witness a lot of small businesses that haven't documented anything, have no processes, right. you know, for, you know, salesperson A and salesperson B are making it up uh, every single day. Um, where do you, uh, I, how do you convince people, uh, first off, the value of processes, but then also to kind of get them over that hurdle of, oh, we don't want to stifle people's creativity? Oh, wow. Hmm. I've stifled your uh, your creativity here all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you make it a you make it a core value of yeah. continuous um, documentation and continuous improvement. You make it one of one of the key values is that we only value facts. We only value data. And if you can't document it, it doesn't exist. Well, I, I think I, I've, you know, in, in my last book, I did a lot of, you know, studying companies. What were their systems for referrals? What I was really after. And, and I really did find that right. there was a strong correlation between companies that had processes but also said, hey, we're going to overlay our key values. Um, you know, and one of our key values is that every customer is thrilled, right? And so if this process is not thrilling them, find a way to break it, you know, find a way to, you know, to, to go outside of the process in a way that will deliver the core value. And I, and I think that, you know, with some play, uh, coming up with that sort of, you know, looser structure of process, but knowing what the end result that you're trying to get, I think that's where people get in trouble with process. It's like, okay. hey, the manual says we have to do this. And nobody stops to think, well, you know what? This process is pissing off our customers, you know? <laughs> <laughs> nobody stops to think that that's the result. They just know I checked it off the box, right? And I think oh, that, okay. And I think that that sometimes is, is uh, where you have to kind of, it's almost like an art, you know, to, to give people enough structure but give them flexibility too. Well, you have to know, you have to immediately let people know what their purpose in the organization is right. and what the purpose of the organization is. So if they know right away that the, their purpose is, for example, to create a memorable experience for the customer, then exactly what you said is right. They know when to throw away an out-of-date process or a process that doesn't work for that particular customer. Now, hopefully, the other part of what you said is true as well. They will also document that it doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, 
you'll start to notice it's not working on particular shifts, it's not working with particular employees, and maybe it's that those employees were missing a certain training module, maybe there's some equipment that's not quite working at a particular time. So maybe actually the process isn't broken, but just the piece of it's broken. So you can you can further uh, refine it based on that input. Yeah, you know, do you ever run across that, though? You know, occasionally you try to do business with a company and, uh, you know, their response is, well, that's how we do it here. And you, and you just scratch your head and say, really? I mean, somebody, somebody really thinks oh. that's a good thing? <laughs> oh, all but, the time. <laughs> it's crazy. But well, it, just makes it, easy. it just makes it easier for the rest of us. Well, that's know? right. Thank, I, I want to thank you uh, for joining us, and I know that you are you are helping uh, save lives uh, and, and uh, save families and save businesses by helping them uh, create exceptional service and exceptional Profit. So I appreciate you, you joining me, and uh, I, I know that uh, I know that you can find folks can find the book anywhere. Um, do you, is, is there? Uh, I know MicahSolomon.com has some um, some info for him as well. Some additional info. Are there other places you would send people? Well, come have me speak to your company or your trade show, and uh, MicahSolomon.com, if you can spell it, is a great place. Or if you can't spell it, CustomerServiceGuru.com is a little easier to spell and goes to the same place. There's also collegeofthecustomer.com, which is my free informational site with some resources. Awesome. Thanks, Micah, and hopefully we'll chat again sometime soon. Thanks, John. Bye-bye.